Welcome to On the Record with Furniture Today, a podcast that goes behind the headlines to look at the news and the newsmakers, the people and the personalities that give the furniture industry its unique flavor. I'm your host, Bill McLaughlin, Editor-in-Chief of Furniture Today. Good morning. We have a special treat for you this week on On the Record uh, at our recent Next conference. We had a presentation from Craig McAndrews, who is the executive professor at the C.T. Bauer College of Business at the University of Houston, and he talked about social selling. And the interesting thing about his presentation is that it has a unique applicability, and I shouldn't actually say unique applicability, I should say broad applicability, whether you are a manufacturer or a retailer, uh, or even for our own staff. Uh, He gave a, a number of actionable strategies that people can employ to, to utilize social media to expand their network and to bring in new business. Uh, the interesting, one of the interesting things that you'll hear as you listen to Professor McAndrew speak is he talks about the shift in where leads come from. Uh, the traditional model is that people tend to reach out to their potential audience. Um, and in the new world, 80% of buyers now find their sellers, which is a shift. So listen for that as you listen to Professor uh, McAndrew speak. So now, without any further ado, please enjoy Professor Craig McAndrews, Executive Professor at the C.T. Bauer College of Business. Man, do we live in an exciting time or what? Uh, By a quick show of hands, just so I understand a little bit of perspective of our audience, uh, if you fit in the baby boomer category, can you raise your hand? Got some boomers. Okay, how about some Gen Xers? Some Gen Xers, okay, you're my people. Uh, Gen Xers, do I have millennials? Are there a few millennials? Probably some of you who wanna be a millennial. You identify with them. I'm almost certain I don't have any Gen Zs in here right now. Any Gen Zs? Uh, I deal with about 500 Gen Zs right now every semester. Um, and it's an interesting group that, uh, that you engage. So I teach an 8.30 a.m. Monday morning class. Yeah, that's why I start with some upbeat video to make sure that people are awake. What I love so much about being at events like this is I th- feel like you guys actually want to be here, right? I mean, I'm not used to that this early in the morning, so I am, uh, it's great to be here. But we live in such a fantastic time but also a really challenging time. You know, as a consumer, I love the fact that I can go online and I can search for companies, for services, for people. I can find out what I want about people and organizations before I ever decide to interact with them. It is so empowering as a consumer. On the other side, I'm a businessman. I have a a consulting firm. I'm a professor at a college. And I also realized that in this day and age, it's really, really hard to capture people's attention. It can feel really overwhelming. And so as a consumer, it's empowering, but on the other side, it can feel overwhelming. And it's likely some of you sit in that exact area. You've probably heard this saying before, you know, life's a marathon, right? Why do they tell you that? Pace yourself so you can sustain yourself, is how I think about it. Pace yourself to sustain yourself. Life is a marathon, but here's the thing that they don't tell you. They don't tell you that you can actually run marathons at very different paces. In fact, I wish I would have brought the picture because it's one of my favorite pictures, sits in my office. 
but my wife and I ran this half marathon. And we were going at such a great pace that at one point in time we stopped and we took a picture. They snapped a picture out. That's how intense we were running. It was like business, I think, before all these technology advances and the speed. We were going really slow and steady. It was for fun. But you know, you can run a marathon in the Olympics and they have a slightly faster pace than certainly my wife and I were running. In today's day and age, that's what it feels like now. Is yeah, we're still running a marathon, but now I have to run that mile at six minutes instead of 10 minutes. Most of your associates, your customers, the people you're engaged with, they use words like this. Hey, I want you to be flexible. Be faster. Oh, and yeah, be flawless. I mean, how easy is that? Be everything with perfection, and it can have a significant impact on your business. Well, digital, the digital age, and I'm going to talk specifically about digital selling, and I'll distinguish it between digital marketing so that you make sure to understand the differences. But in the digital age, it's sped up all kinds of things that we have to deal with. In fact, many of you may know that some of the biggest changes in the customer service space. So right now today, Twitter is the single fastest growing platform for solving customer service issues. Uh, more companies are using Twitter than ever. I've had my own experiences. Uh, just recently, I, when I went to Las Vegas market this past summer, I sat in the airport on a flight delay with Southwest Airlines, third one in a row of flights. So I decided to get on Twitter. I said what I typically say to companies when I have a bad experience, Southwest Airlines, why do you hate me? I'm delayed again for the third time in a row. But unlike most experiences, 15 minutes later, I got a direct message from Southwest Airlines, somebody on, on their end, who said, hey, we apologize. Can you send us the flight numbers that were delayed? And so I sent them the flight numbers where I had been delayed. 10 minutes later, I get another direct message from them telling me that I have an email coming to my email with a $100 voucher and that they apologize for the experience. And so inside of 30 minutes, they had responded very quickly. Now, I have to say, in that 30 minutes, I was still sitting waiting for my flight to take off on a delay. But the fact that they had taken action so fast and addressed the issue made a profound difference in the way that I see the organization. Guess what? That's what consumers, you as consumers, but people shopping in your stores and people working in your company, they are beginning to get used to that type of response rate, that type of addressing issues. And if we're not prepared to respond fast, if we're not evolving our organizations in terms of where we invest and how we invest, we're going to be behind. And so I'm going to cover three things today. I'm going to talk first about buyers today. I'm going to share some research from our sales institute. Then I'm going to cover some building blocks for a digital selling organization. Like, what does that mean? How can I create one? And then lastly, I hope to paint a little bit of this kind of provocative picture of what the future of selling could look like, particularly in many of your organizations. I happen to believe that the home furnishings industry is about as ripe as any industry for both powerful and effective uh, social selling. So as a professor at the University of Houston, as Bill mentioned, um, I'm not a PhD. Uh, in fact, I joke around, I quit my job in the home furnishings industry to go back to school. I just went back to school to be a teacher. But I get a chance to work with PhDs regularly. And 
inside the University of Houston, the Sales Excellence Institute is one of the oldest selling institutes in the country, which simply means that we have a lot of people who do a lot of research on selling. In fact, our primary uh, research director uh, has published, it, published almost half of all the academic sales research on the planet. He's a fairly prolific publisher. Now, if you've, if, has anyone ever read an academic paper? Oh my gosh, they're so painful. Like, they're, even when they're written in English, they don't read as if they're in English. But there's some really good research and depth of data and rigor that goes into those things that you have to make sure in how you study and the conclusions you get to are actionable. So I'll share some of, that, some of the research coming out of the Institute that I think will impact the way that you see selling. But I want to do just a quick level set on typical buying journey. This will make more sense as I talk about the research and the setup. But typical buying journey. Now, I know that there are a lot of products that are a little bit more complex to buy. Maybe if you sell a service or software, there can be more complexity. But typically, consumers begin to have some need at a level and they inquire about a product. Then as they do that and they look, they get real clear on what they, their needs are. At that point in time, they shop. They understand some of the options. Ultimately, they get to decision. And then lastly, there's some post-sale follow-ups. This is kind of a very traditional buying journey that you would walk through. This happens to be one of the places right now that is most powerfully being changed as a result of the digital age and what both technology and then connecting networks, we'll talk about social platforms, are doing for people. So I'll share some research. First, I'll, I'll give you this stat, which this probably won't surprise you, but 90% of buyers are starting everything that they do online. Probably not a big shock to you. Many of you may start this way, although there are some significant differences generation to generation. <clears throat> right now, today, about 90% of millennials are on social media of some sort. Almost 80% of Gen Xs are on social platforms. And this is one of the most shocking statistics that I've seen. More than half of Gen Z people, which by the way is a massive population who are just beginning to step into the workforce now, but more than half of that group, they've actually made purchases through social platforms. Never interacting with a person, never going to a company website, they went to Facebook, went through Facebook, and made their purchase. Actually, Gen Zs aren't spending a whole lot of time on Facebook. They, that's, that's, I spend time on Facebook. Gen Zs went through Instagram, they use Snapchat, and they are going through and making purchases. So people are not only starting online, but they're finishing online, and not in the traditional way that we're used to. Not in the way of, I'm gonna go buy from your company, from an e-commerce perspective, although alive and well, lots of business happening that way. But Data will suggest that social platforms right now are the most significant influencers in what and how people will purchase. Most people are getting their inspiration for things that they will buy from one or multiple of the social platforms out there. And so the buying journey, how it's being affected is in the past, buyer and seller, we kind of worked together once somebody stepped into the market. I came to your store, I called you on the phone, I interacted with your website, whatever it may be, somebody came on and, I, and we interacted collaboratively through the process. Changing dramatically, look at this statistic. Today, buyers are almost 60%, 57% is a number, but they're almost 60% of their way through this entire buying process before they ever engage with a salesperson. 
where in the past it was highly collaborative, it's not anymore. They're using search engines to collect information. They're leaning on their social networks to contact users and people who have had experience with things. They're using technology today to do all the work ahead of time. Now, I don't think that the era will ever come where somebody will say, you don't need a salesperson at all, because there, there is still tremendous value in the connections that people make. In fact, more so today because of what social media has done. But this is changing dramatically. Your salespeople, in many cases, aren't engaged in connecting with a person until they're almost ready to make a decision. And you can see the traditional selling models and traditional selling approaches, they create massive, massive conflict. Now, I know some of you are in the business-to-business -business world, and this is a, another shocking statistic that came out of our, uh, the research work that we do with corporations. But when we talk to groups of buyers, groups of buyers and companies buying things, 80% of them said that they found their seller. The seller did not find them. Now, don't get me wrong, there are salespeople out there trying to find customers, trying to expand their business, and going through the sales process. But today, buyers are finding those companies and those people that they're gonna make a decision to do business with. Because they can. Because of the access of information. It's a massive shift in the way that things are being sold today that many of you may either be seeing, or you may not even be aware that it's happening depending on your business model. And then the last data point, which I think is, is quite telling, is so traditional selling, kind of the classic model when somebody comes in and how you would interact with them, that actually today will reduce your revenue by 25% when you get connected with somebody with what's called preference certainty. Now play this out, here's what this means. Is somebody knows what they want, preference certainty. They've done their work, they've done their research. And they come into contact with a company or a salesperson and that person begins to take them through the classic selling model. Let me ask you some questions, discover what you're looking for. Let me understand what's important to you. Let me tell you a little bit about what we do here. I see this happen inside of retail companies all the time. And the reason that it's a revenue drag is typically just what happens is there's such a disconnect in the conversation that customer leaves. They don't buy. Salespeople are trying to drag consumers through a traditional selling process and give them information that, quite frankly, they already have. They already know. There is more preference certainty today before people step into a retail environment or into a company than ever. And that's going to continue to grow. So this changing sales interaction and the results of it requires organizations but people inside of organizations to shift how they see what they do and to shift how they see their consumers. So I want to kind of level set this social selling definition because I think it will be important. So social selling is this idea of it's leveraging tools. I'll share some of those tools which can be really powerful, but leveraging tools, content, and social platforms. We'll talk specifically about some of those. In order to build trust with consumers, but most importantly, turn them into buying prospects, turn them into customers. You know, I mentioned earlier, this day and age is so fantastic because of the opportunities you have as consumers, certainly challenging as companies, 
But today, organizations have more resources available to them to engage people in a really personalized and customized way. I'm sure you've heard those words over and over again. You know, the buzzwords of business today, especially if you're in retail, omni-channel, let's make sure to integrate our physical and our online, and then customized and personalized. That's like flies around everywhere. Easy to say, not always easy to do. But digital tools and digital selling that approach is having a big impact on companies and how they do business. I'll share a quick couple of case studies with you. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Gartner, um, but Gartner is an IT, and it's an IT service firm and an advisory group. Basically what they do is they hire really smart people to understand the IT space, and then they sell that information to companies to help them make better decisions. So where are you? Like if you gave your organization a grade right now in terms of your digital selling strategy, your digital selling plan, what we're doing with social selling, what are we, how are we uh, producing content, what are the tools we've already invested in, like, like what grade would you give yourself? More importantly, I think if I surveyed your sales teams and I asked them to grade you, what grade would they give you? If you get an A, then congratulations, there's probably some super cool things happening in your company. If maybe not so much an A, then look for the opportunity that's in front of you. There are companies who are doing these things right now having huge impact on their organizations. One of my favorite B2C examples is Sephora. If you're familiar with Sephora, and if you read anything about Sephora, one of the things that you realize, particularly in the retail world today, is they're bucking the trend in two powerful ways. Uh, they're opening stores. You don't see that very often. Uh, and they're doing really well from a revenue standpoint. What they've done a really good job is they have, in, they have in, uh, combined the physical and digital worlds really well. So this omni-channel effort, which I think is what many people are talking about. Today, the line between what happens in store and online is uh, blurred inside of this organization. But one of, my, one of my favorite tactics that they're using when it comes to this idea of digital selling and social selling is that they use these cards, I think they're called NFC cards or NCF cards, I always mix my acronyms around, uh, but they're cards that enable communication between two digital devices. And so when you're in their store, you can be filling up your digital cart. You can buy it then in store, you could save it for later and buy it. Their sales team has access to what you're interested in, what you like, their consultants do, and they can point you to those things knowing your interest. They use Facebook Messenger today to where people can send videos in and then they show them what some of the products that they might use, what they would look like if they used it. And all this time, this data is collected. Sales, their consultants learn more about their individual customers and can help them customize decisions. It's back and forth. Now, I'm certain that they've invested a lot of money in that. But the advantage we all have today is like the technology that's out there, much of it is highly scalable, meaning you don't have to be a giant organization to get started. In fact, there's a massive explosion in technology providers who are all trying to get into these markets. Sephora is a great example of a company. I want to leave you with one example of a person. Uh, so Elizabeth Barnett, she actually graduated from the University of Houston. She was part of our uh, program for excellence in selling. So she took a job at 3M in their safety division. And when she first started out, she did not do well. 
she really struggled to uh, connect with her customers, to build her business, and she was working hard, but she wasn't getting any results. And then finally one day she decided, you know what, I'm gonna do this different. Instead of trying to sell, I'm gonna see if I can position myself as a safety expert. She was in the safety division at the company. And so you can see this is a, her LinkedIn profile, pretty clear on what business uh, she's in. And what she started doing was she just started sharing relevant articles, information, some stuff from their company, some things that she found on her own online on how to improve your safety record in your organization. Tools that you can use to make your company safer. She started building her network with experts in the safety space, not only potential customers she'd hoped to sell, but subject matter experts who were safety gurus that she got into her network. She built her network, she communicated valuable insights to people who are in her network. What do you think happened to her sales? Yeah, you can, hopefully you know where I'm going on this one. Otherwise, you've slept during our time together. They went way up. They went way up. And today, she's still a very highly successful salesperson inside of the organization. But if you talk to her, that's not what she, how she labels herself. I'm a really successful salesman. She's a safety expert. She helps organizations. I mean, look, safety solutions simplified. She helps organizations create safer environments. And as a result, it's transitioned her to a top performer. And there is not an industry today that doesn't have an opportunity to do that. Now, this is a B2B world. Some of you B2C people might say, yeah, but I'm B2C. Go look on Facebook right now. Your local real estate agents, your mortgage providers, they are all doing the same thing using Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, those platforms. And so I'm gonna leave you with this, just kind of a vision of the future uh, to paint a picture. Imagine this, imagine your salesperson walks in in the morning and steps into a room and gets on their computer. And they pull up their social media sites and they engage with people who have liked something, commented on something. They like, they comment, they share. They, they send a few invitations to people to connect. They do a little bit of research, find a few articles, either about trends in your industry, new products coming, functional changes in something that's really cool. They post it, they share it. And then they close their computer and they step out to their retail floor or they hop in their car and drive to their next customer or they go hit the phones and start engaging people and doing what they have historically been doing, that future, building your network, creating customer opportunities, sitting at your computer, there's industries right now who that's their whole world and how they do it. And it's gonna come to more and more industries. I think this industry is as ripe as any for that to be happening. So I appreciate your time today. Thank you guys for, uh, for having me. And I hope that digital selling becomes a big part of what you do in the future. Thank you.